Now, our text tonight is found in Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 25, and we're going to be reading through verse 34. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. And the word Gentiles there just means pagan or ungodly. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, what I want to talk to you about tonight is something that affects us all. And often when somebody gets up here like this and says that kind of a statement, such a broad statement, it's usually generally true, but seldom is it completely true. But I think you will agree with me tonight if we're honest with ourselves that what we're going to talk about affects all of us. And what we're going to study is we're going to study about worry and how worry has had its grip on all of us at some time or another. Now, here Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount, he had a great deal to say about worry. He even listed the things that tend to make us worry. Now, I have been accused of not worrying. I wish that was so, but it's not. I worry about all kinds of things. We all worry. You know, when you're young, you worry about getting old. And when you get a little older, things go by, time goes on. You kind of worry about maybe you won't get any older. You know, poor people worry about not having enough money. Rich people, sometimes they worry about losing their money. The ignorant, they worry about not knowing enough, and often the highly intelligent people, they worry about knowing too much. Conservatives worry about what the liberals are doing, and of course the liberals worry about themselves. The point is, we all tend to worry too much. It just seems to be part of our makeup. It seems to be something that's in all of us. In fact, some people even seem to enjoy worrying. 
My mother, God rest her soul, she loved to worry. Uh, if she didn't have a legitimate worry when she woke up in the morning, that would worry her. Now, surely you've known somebody like that. Now, I think that we need to understand what worry is and what worry is, is not. Because Jesus told us very plainly that we shouldn't do it. So what is worry and what is, what is not worry? Well, worry is not being concerned. There are many things that we should be concerned about. When Jesus said that we're not to worry about tomorrow, he did not mean that we're not to plan for the future. He did not mean that we should not consider things and think about them. Jesus is not saying for us to live a careless, happy-go-lucky life, never thinking or planning for tomorrow. No, on the contrary, Jesus tells us in other passages that we are to plan for things. He tells us that we should plan for our death. He tells us that we should plan for after our death. I hope you're, you're after your death. I hope you've you got plans for that. We're, we're told that before we are go, to go to war, that we should consider the cost. He said if we're going to build a tower, we should plan and to think about it, to make sure we have enough of materials and to make sure we have the proper financing in place to complete the project. Jesus tells us that there are some things that we should be very concerned about. But he does tell us, tell us that we are not to worry. Now I'm thankful that he also tells us how we are not to worry. Because if he just simply said, don't worry, and that was the end of it, that wouldn't be much help to us. In fact, we'd probably tend to worry about that. So I want us to look briefly at some things that tend to make us worry. And by the way, this is not my list. This is Jesus's list. So if you got a problem with it, it's not with me, it's with Jesus, because this is his list. So what are some things that Jesus says that we tend to worry about? Well, in verse 24, now we, we started with verse 25 a while ago, but we're gonna back up one verse and go to verse 24. It says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. So the very first thing on Jesus' list, Jesus says we tend to worry about money. Now listen, God is not against you having money. In fact, he wants you to have money. But you can't put money first in your life. When you put money first, then money becomes your God instead of God being your God. So the very first thing on Jesus' list, Jesus tells us that we should not worry about money. Now, the second thing that Jesus said not to worry about is provisions. I want you to look in verses uh, 25, 26, and then 28 and 30. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to, what you will, as, as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the fields grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, 
Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Now, if God feeds the birds of the field, don't you think he will provide for you? Now, what is Jesus saying here? The the implication is this. Now, what farmer would feed his chickens and not his children? Are you not more important than a sparrow? He's not saying that we shouldn't work for our provisions. You know, even a chicken has to scratch on the ground for the worms. But God provides the worms. We're not supposed to sit back in our nest and wait for the worms to come in. Though we we are to work for our provisions. So that's not what he's saying. You know, even, even a hog has to root around on the ground for the herbs and roots that it eats. But God provides the uh, herbs and the roots. God has provided all the provisions that we need. He's providing food, clothing, shelter. God knows that we need all of these things. And he goes on to say, he said, look at the flowers of the field. Nobody robes, nobody robes like the uh, clothes that they wear. Nobody has clothes like the clothes that the flowers wear. Now, even Solomon couldn't dress himself up as pretty as a rose or a lily. And those things are going to be burned up someday. Now, how much more do you think that the Lord would take care of us? Now, now something else that Jesus warns us not to worry about is our health. Look in verse 27. And who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? Now, God wants us to take care of our bodies. He, we need to eat right. We need to get proper rest, exercise. You, you can tell I'm big on exercise. But nobody's going to add a single moment to their life worrying about their health. In fact, you might even shorten it. I've heard of people you know, die, worrying themselves to death. We worry about money. We worry about provisions. We worry about our health. But I think one of the biggest things that Jesus is concerned about with our worry is that oh, we also worry about the future. Look in verse 34. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, worrying about tomorrow has never changed an outcome. It has never dried a tear. It has never solved a problem. It has never lifted a burden. Worrying is absolutely useless. In fact, most of the things that grips us with worry never even comes about. I heard of an old woman who said, "Uh, don't tell me worrying doesn't help. Most of the things I worry about don't come true. Some of y'all get that in a moment. Mark Twain, before he died, when he was an old man, he said, I have lived a long life that has been full of trouble, most of which never even happened. Now, that's true. Worry is deceitful. Worry lies to us. Worry tricks us. Now, according to a study done in 2019 by Michelle G. Newman, and I don't know how accurate this study is, uh, but I I found it interesting. According to this study, 91% of the things that we worry about never come true. 91%. And the remaining 9%, the outcome was better than expected. Worrying steals our hope. It robs us of our peace, and at least according to this study, for no good reason. That is why in Psalms chapter 37 that we're told three different times that we should not fret about things. 
And then in Psalms 37 verse eight says, do not fret, it leads only to evildoing. Now we've talked about some of the things that Jesus says would worry us and how we, how should, how we should not do it, how Jesus commands us actually that we should not worry. But I want us to look at something else. Another reason we shouldn't worry is we shouldn't worry because worry is harmful. Worry is harmful to us physically. Now I did some reading on this subject as preparing, preparing for tonight. And according to the, some of the things that I've read, that people who are prone to worry, and we could probably figure these out on our own, but people who are prone to worry, they have bad eating habits, they don't perform well in their jobs, their relationships suffer, they tend not to sleep very well, and we all know what, uh, what lack of sleep will do to our health, cause all kinds of problems that we don't have time to get into tonight. Worry does to our bodies what rust does to a piece of equipment. It may start slowly, and it seems to be maybe just to be on the surface. But if we leave it unattended, it locks us up. It freezes us in place like, like ice on a shallow pond. Now listen, folks, make, make no mistake. Excessive worry is harmful to our health, but it's also harmful to the, to the health of those around us. Who likes to be around someone who worries all the time? You know, some people can lighten up a room by just leaving it. Nobody likes to be around people like that. You know, some people, it's like a, uh, it's like a giant cloud follows them around. And you better have an umbrella ready because you're fixing to get wet. Nobody likes to be around people like that. Have you ever been in a car and been behind somebody on the highway and maybe you're in a hurry and the person in front of you, they're driving like they think the light is just fixing to turn red at any moment. They drive like that the whole time. And they worry about it long enough until it does. Nobody likes to live that way. Nobody likes to follow people like that. Some people live their lives that way though always worrying about what's in front of them. Now, these people don't deserve our reproach. They, they need our pity and our prayers. Worrying is a big, big problem. Now, something else that worry does. Worry grieves the heart of God. I want you to look in verse 30. And, God's, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Worry is, is a lack of faith, and the lack of faith is a wound to the heart of God. Now, I have two children sitting out here, daughter-in-law and son-in-law. They're all married, families of their own. Now, they could go out, and they could say all kinds of good things about their dear old dad. If they want to, they can. I won't mind. But it wouldn't matter what good things they said. It wouldn't matter how much they bragged on me, how much they lifted me up. If at the end of it, they said, yeah, old dad, he's all those things, but boy, you can't trust him. That would cut me off at my knees. That would be like an arrow to the heart. It'd be like a wound to my soul. It would, it would pierce to my conscience. Worrying said that God can't be trusted with our problems. Worrying said that, God, this problem is too big for you. Now, we might say good things about God. We might say that God is good, God is great, God is wonderful. But if we don't believe that we can trust him, 
then we're calling him a liar. That's found in 1 John chapter 5, verse 10. Romans 20, 8, 28 says that all things work together for those who are called according to his purpose. When we worry excessively, we are saying that that verse is not true. Something else, another reason we shouldn't worry. We shouldn't worry because when we worry, we act like pagans. Look in verses 30 and 32. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink and what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows your needs. Now that word unbelievers in, in the New Testament, uh, King James Version, it just says Gentiles, it means pagans, means, all means the same things. When we worry, God says, you're not acting like a child of God, you're acting like the rest of the world. God says that's the way the Gentiles think. That's the way the pagans live. Now we've talked a lot about the problems that come with worry, but the important question is, what are we gonna do about it? Now, if we just talked about how bad worry was and didn't have any solutions, that'd be terrible indeed. But thankfully, our Lord has provided some solutions. So what is the first thing that we need to recognize if we're not gonna worry? I wanna give you three things that I think the Bible points out that if we do these three things, I believe it will help us with our worry. The first thing is we need to understand and recognize and realize that God is our Father. Look in uh, verse 32. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Now, when you're born again, God brought you into his family. And now we talk a lot about our responsibility to God. Now, don't misunderstand me. Uh, 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 I'm not saying this casually, but have you ever thought about God's responsibility to us? He brought us into this world. He saved us. He brought you into his family. God sent his son to die on the cross for you. We're part of his family. God's never gonna be uh, charged with child neglect. Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 through 31. And again, this is Jesus speaking. He said, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. Are you more valuable to God? You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Now a sparrow, according to Jesus here, is worth one copper coin. Do you know how much that is? That is one sixteenth of a denarius. A denarius is one day's wage approximately. So a sparrow is worth one sixteenth of a day's pay. Yet God knows when every one of them falls. If God attends the funeral of a sparrow, don't you think he's more than willing to take care of you? Now, God is not going to abandon us. We just need to trust him. Psalms 27 verse 10 says, even if our father and mother cast us off, the Lord will take us up. 
Listen, we need to understand that we are God's children, that he loves us, he's concerned for us, and he will provide for our needs. Now, not only do we need to understand that God is our father, but since he is our father, we need to put him first in our lives. Verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. I want to read this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. When Jesus said, seek God above all else, what is the else that he is talking about? He says, seek God before you do money, before you do provision, before you do your help, before you do the future. We have to put God first in our lives. God's not gonna play sack at fiddle to nobody. He's not your co-pilot. I'm asking myself when I ask this, but I'm asking it sincerely. Because I thought about this a lot the last couple of days. Are you putting God first in your life? Are you? I mean, really? Are you? If you're prone to worry, you're probably not. If you're prone to worry, that is a good sign that you have some things out of order. Sometimes we think if we put God first that that just means that we're gonna neglect some other things. Well, that's not true. See, God is the source of everything. And it's not up to us to see to the conservation of the things that we have. You know, riches have wings, they have a way of flipping away, they have a way of flying off. And you know, if they don't leave us, we can leave them. All of us potentially are just a heartbeat away from death then who will have all those things that we hold so dear? When we pass from this earth, who's gonna hold all those things and care about all those things that we worry about so much? It won't be you, it won't be me. Not, all, not only do we have to recognize that God is our Father, not only do we need to put God first in our lives, but we have to understand that God holds the future. I want you to look at verse 34. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now, God does not live in time as we know time. God lives beyond time, apart from time. When God created you and formed you in your mother's womb, not only did he see your beginning, but he saw your end all at the same time. He sees us when we need sleep. He sees us when we need food. He sees us when we need shelter. He knows that we have need of all of those things. He even sees us when trouble enters into our lives. In fact, whenever problems come into your life, God has either allowed it or he has sent it. But it's not caught him off guard. Now, some say that God would not set trouble before us. I'm going I'm to prove otherwise. Yes, yes, he would. Why? Because he loves us. He does it for our own sake. Go back to the Garden of Eden after Adam fell. God come walking through the garden and said, Adam, where are you? He said, well, I, I was hiding because I was naked. And God said, 
for your own sake, cursed be the ground. Through sweat and toil and sorrow will you work all the days of your life for your own sake. Now, why would God allow trouble to come into our lives? For our own sake. God knows that the worst thing for sinful man, the worst thing for us would be to live a life without any kind of trouble. God allows just enough trouble each day. He allows just enough trouble each day to come into our lives so that we will turn to him for the grace that we need. If we never had any trouble, we would never seek God. You say, well, I would. No, you wouldn't. The Bible says there's none who seek God. No, not one. So they're all turned away. What we would do is rely on our own strength. So God allows troubles to come into our lives often, not all the time, but God allows troubles to come into our lives for our own good. Now, I know this is contrary to our nature. It's hard to think about, but we should thank God for our trouble. God says that he will never leave us or forsake us. God gives us sufficient grace for today's troubles. When we worry about things in the future, we are borrowing tomorrow's troubles and applying them to today's grace. That's how we overload our wagon. Psalms 103 verse 14 says, for he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. He knows our frame. In other words, he knows what we're made of. He knows how much we can carry. He knows what load we can bear. When we bar tomorrow's troubles by worrying, we're going to find, if we do that, that those troubles, I mean, excuse me, if we bar tomorrow's troubles and put them on today, we're going to find that the interest on that worry is extremely high. There is a cost to borrowing trouble. There is a cost to worrying. Worrying about tomorrow's troubles robs us from the blessings of today. Worrying about tomorrow's troubles does not relieve the hurt of today. It only adds to it. Worrying steals our strength. Worrying is wasted energy. Worrying does not help us get ready for tomorrow. In fact, it doubles the load for today. Now, the Lord will not put more on us than we can bear. He puts on the correct load. We don't need to be adding to that load with tomorrow's trouble. There's enough trouble today. Now, in closing, we need to remember that Jesus himself said that we shouldn't worry about money. He told us not to worry about the future. He told us not to worry about our provisions. He told us not to worry about our health. He told us, just don't do it. Just don't worry about those things. Just don't worry. Now, one of the best things that I've ever heard about worry is this, and I forgot where I heard this, and I'm not sure I wrote it down exactly correctly. I couldn't find it, but I think this would be close. There are really only two kinds of things that can come into our lives. It doesn't matter whether it's trouble, doesn't matter whether it's uh, sorrow, pain, or suffering. Whatever it is, 
that will fit into one of two categories. It will either fit in the category of things we can control, or it will fit into the category of the things we can't control. Now that may sound, sound simplistic, but, but watch it. Now because that covers everything, we shouldn't worry about it. Now listen, if it's in the category of things that you can control, just don't worry about it, just do it. Just fix it. If it's something you can control, control it, but don't worry about it. And if it falls into the category of things you can't control, then there's no need of you worrying about it because you're not gonna do any good. It's not gonna change anything. Worrying never does any good to any of us. I appreciate you, you being here tonight and I hope that this has spoke to you the way it spoke to me as I studied. And I, I'll confess, I had a hard time with this. I, I done something to my eye <laughs> Sunday night while I slept, scratched it or something. And I couldn't hardly see for two days. It was hard for me to study. And I was afraid that I, I think I did get some of the scripture mixed up with uh, some different translations that I intended. But it was hard for me to study. But I do appreciate you being here tonight. And uh, I ask that, that God would help us not to worry about the things that we can't control. And there's a, what is the saying? You know, wor, wor, not to worry about the things we can't control and the courage to, to do the things we can or something, something along those lines. I ask that God would, would speak to your heart about worry this week as he's spoken to mine. And I ask that you remember the Taylor family and the ones that are traveling this week. As I said at the beginning, it's hard for me to under, understand that. It's hard for us to get our heads around it. But uh, I'm thankful that the Lord's in control and that uh, he's not fretting his hands about what's going on. Let's pray and we'll go home. Sir? Israel. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Any more news on that today? I hadn't seen anything today, Charles. 